he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Uh, like Ben said, my name is Katrina, and for those of you who do not know, I am actually on staff with Forward City Church, and today I get to share a little bit about my testimony with you guys. Um, uh, Mark is taking a much-deserved break this Sunday. Um, and my testimony this morning, it's not so much one story, it's kind of uh, the journey that God has taken me on uh, throughout my life with him, trying to understand his compassion. And uh, before I get into it, I thought I'd connect you with that verse I shared um, in Psalm 16, 6. It actually says, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. If you have in the living New Living Translation, it says, uh, the land you have given me is a pleasant land. And it's not that David was actually talking so much about a fig uh, physical land. He's talking about, he's describing what it's like to live within des the design of God. That if we look to the word of God to understand how life should be and live within it, it's actually uh, quite pleasant. And that is kind of a theme for me as I talk about compassion. So I thought I would put that up, that uh, when we are in Christ, even though life isn't perfect, there's a lot of beauty and a lot to be enjoyed. So I'm going to pray quickly for myself and then get into it. Uh, God, thank you for everyone here. Thank you for the wet cooperation of weather. And I just pray that you speak to us as we celebrate what you've done and how good and gracious you are to us. All right, so I became a Christian uh, uh, in when I was very, very young, unlike some a lot of people some people I was four years old and when I look back I think God just created the perfect storm of age-appropriate challenges so that I would grow close to him at a really young age I uh, immigrated here when I, from the Philippines so growing up in the 90s in Chatham I was a visible minority and I kind of went into every classroom thinking the only person who really understands me is Jesus. And so at a, at a young age, I was growing in my prayer life because that's the way I felt. And I think that God used that tremendously in my life. The other thing he used is I had a really big heart for my friends. And most of my friends were very different than me. They didn't have parents that talked about God. And they didn't go to church on Sunday or pray to God at all at their homes. Um, and so as I was growing up and reached that kind of junior, age, junior high age, I'd start telling people, you know, my friends, like, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to ask God to forgive you, and, and he'll save you, and he, he gets to be your God. And I'd pump this up, and my friends would be like, yeah, that's, that's nice. Uh, and they didn't care. And the thing for me that was really interesting is that I kind of understood why they didn't care. I was just a friend telling them about Jesus, someone their parents have never told them about, and who their parents didn't celebrate, and who for them, they have never seen God work powerfully in their lives. So why, just because I'm telling them that they should, would they put their hope in Jesus? And so it's not so much that I thought that God didn't exist or that he wasn't good, I just felt like his system was kind of broken, that it wasn't going to work for everybody, and that frustrated me. Uh, and so God, I think, was paying attention to me at a young age. He put a lot of stories in my life. I met a lot of people who came to Christ um, outside of Christian homes, people who broke through the, the struggle with addictions or who would there's a bunny, just sorry. Everybody just admire the bunny. Okay, he's gone. Um, and uh, <laughs> and I, I just, 
got to understand that God was compassionate enough to bring people out of their unlikely circumstances and save them even still. And so uh, when I hit 20, I was pretty already wowed by Jesus at that point. And then I got this job as a graphic designer for the University of Waterloo with, at that point, I had no graphic design experience. So you're talking your dream job. I'm 20 years old. I'm young. First day on the job, I find out that one of the major projects that my boss wanted me to take care of is coming out for the Coming Out Week campaign posters for my university. And if you don't know what I mean when I talk about Coming Out Week, I'll just talk about it in the context of my testimony. Basically, at my school, it would have been a public health campaign reaching out to students who are struggling in a particular way and probably struggling in private and asking them to be open about it and let the university help them with their struggles, which sounds really, really awesome, except for the fact that all of the resources that the university was going to point them to was going to put their hope in anything and a lot of things, but not Jesus. And so what ended up happening is I went home that night very, like, sweaty and tormented by this predicament that I'm in. I'm a sweater anyway, so I'm just praying that night. Uh, and what it resulted in is I wrote an email that night that ended up being a conversation with my boss and my boss's boss later that week. And the gist of both the email and that conversation was this, is that I really appreciated the fact that the university cared about students enough who are struggling with something so fickle that they would reach out and try to help them. But I believed that true life and hope and joy is found in Jesus Christ, not just for this life, but in the next. And in my own good conscience, I couldn't help direct people elsewhere. Um, and I have to say this, I was met with so much grace. Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but my boss was part of the community who were like the kind of the front runners for coming out week. And he just went up to me and he said like, Trina, I'm so glad that you like talked to us and didn't do something that you were, you were uncomfortable with. And he, for as long as I worked with him, he was so nice to me and he met me with so much grace. And that, that experience really marked me. I think it was one of the first times in my life I really had to wrestle with God to understand what is right. And um, it also was one of the first times that I was super convicted. Here I was believing that I hold the hope uh, for joy and true life that the whole world needs. And I'm not going out intentionally trying to reach people with Jesus. These people are trying to find people who are struggling in private and help them. And I'm just the one saying, I don't think you have the right answer. I think I do. But what was I doing? So from that day on, like, my university life was very different. I did a lot more trying to get out of my comfort zone and meet people who didn't grow up like me, didn't have values like me, um, and not, you know, ram anything by, down their throats, but just tell them, hey, this is what Jesus has done for my life. And if I'm honest, he wants, he wants to do the same things for you. And I just... So, you know, to this day, I've never had someone be completely offended by that uh, message. So it would be really awesome. Well, not really awesome. At that point, that was kind of the journey that God had given me in terms of understanding his compassion and where I fit in within that. Uh, but then the biggest challenge to date that he's put me through happened a few years down the road when I was 24. Um, so just to preface it, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, 
Ben, who is my wonderful husband sitting in the front there, <laughs> uh, he is not my first husband. Uh, I w met my, I had my first boyfriend when I was 15 years old, and we got married when I was 21. And three years into that, I have, I don't know, I don't want to spend too much time on it. I'll just put it this way: something went sideways, <laughs> uh, and he left. And at the time, I honestly had, I had no clue. A um, I think weeks before that, I would have said we were super happy. He was super content. We were leading youth group at our church and 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 doing things like that. And um, so, just to describe it for you, my whole world was rocked, and the ground was kind of taken from under me. So, um, just imagine the saddest person you've ever met, and that was uh, back then. And so, two months into kind of processing what was going on and also just not knowing at all what was going on at the time, I ended up having a very kind of life-altering conversation with the Lord because this is what I, I, I was thinking. Like, I have spent my whole life, literally since I was four, believing and telling people that you can actually have nothing, but if you have Jesus, you have everything. And in my conscience, I had pretty much lost everything. And so my thought is, if God can't show up in my life and be everything I need right now, then I, I can't do this anymore. I'd just be lying. Like, I, I just didn't want my story to be that I sold myself out to the idea of Christendom and not have actually experienced it for myself. So I, I just honestly prayed, like, God, you got you to gotta show up here or I'm out. I think this changes my entire life. And I guess the spoiler is that I'm standing before you talking about how awesome Jesus is. But I thought I would share a couple stories from that time in my life so that you could see how Jesus came through. I remember being like in the parking garage at the downtown Chatham Center, which is a sad place anyway. Um, it was raining <laughs> and I was, I was crying because and, and this is the thing, when you're in a broken situation, and this is just to encourage people to forgive and to understand, when you're in a broken situation, people don't know how to help you, so they just say things. And I, I was just at a point where I had, people were trying to help me navigate it, and what I ended up feeling like was that I had kind of just lost any meaning as a Christian. Like, nobody wants to hear about the joy of the Lord from some sad woman who was left by their husband and no kid wants to look up to a youth leader whose husband just left and I basically just felt kind of like a useless vessel for the Lord and so I'm sitting in a downtown Chatham Center parking garage crying and I get this message and I had not posted on any social media about what I was going through and this girl that I had babysat and hadn't talked to for 10 years just messages out of the blue and she says Hey, Trina, I just want you to know I haven't been a Christian for a long time, but every time you've ever posted about Jesus, it actually makes me think I want a relationship with God again. And she wrote a bunch of other things, but the crazy part is every single thing that she wrote in this Facebook message directly addressed a thought that was attacking my faith at that time. And it was this weird thing where I'm sitting in this parking garage kind of being like, oh my gosh, God, you're here. Like, you hear me and you, you know my thoughts and just realizing that he 
is intimately interested in how I feel and comforting me actively. And I have, honestly, I mean, it was my life, so I could probably tell you hundreds of stories during this time, but that's just one. And then if you fast forward, the other story I wanted to tell you about is that later on, so a year and a half has passed since my ex-husband has left, and, and obviously in a year and a half, a lot of things come to light. <laughs> about what has gone on and what led to your husband leaving. So that point, I, I know a lot of ugly things that has happened. And basically what I'll say is I was not pumped about this guy. He was not the apple of my eye anymore <laughs> at that point. But what I really wanted, and we weren't officially divorced at this time, what I really wanted is to be faithful to the Lord in our covenant as long as I possibly could in whatever way I could. So what this meant for me in my heart was I wanted to love this guy who has left me in an honorable way until we were actually officially divorced. And what that resulted in was me crying every night. I did a lot of crying over a few years. Um, crying every night because I couldn't. Like I, I didn't hate him. Uh, but I did not uphold him in the way that I promised the Lord that I would um, when we got married. And that grieved me. And I'm not, I don't say this, none of the stuff I say, by the way, is because I think you should react in similar situations the way I did. I'm just describing what it was like for me. But I think God allowed me to feel that because he was teaching me that, yes, Trina, there is, there is a weakness in you. You can't just will yourself to do what's right all of the time. And that's okay, because I died for you. And it's weird. At that point, I'd been Christian for 20 years. And I think for the first time, I felt the fullness of how much God loved me enough to die to forgive me of my weaknesses. And I remember just feeling this freedom and recognizing that God really wanted me not just to know that he loved me and know that I was forgiven, but to feel all the weight of, of how much I didn't need to be perfect, that he, he, he really does compensate for our weaknesses at the cross. And for me, that was this new thing because, again, I'd been telling people my whole life, you know, you don't need to be perfect. You don't need everything. You just need Jesus, and he will meet your needs. He forgives you. He will love you the way you need to be loved. And in that moment, I got to think, I'm so glad this is what I devoted my life to because, because here I am at the saddest part of my life. And honestly, anybody looking from the outside would probably still look at my life and think, oh, poor Trina. But that's not how I felt. I felt full and I felt loved and I felt joyful. And that is kind of the culminating thing that God has been teaching me throughout my whole life in terms of his compassion is that as a Christian, other people's lives may not be perfect, and I, I think we can all say no one's life is perfect. But the best thing we can do, the most compassionate thing we can do as Christians is tell people about Jesus, what he's doing. Celebrate together. When we get together, we should be celebrating about what God has done in our lives. Sing loudly because God has been good to us. And tell people because the rest of the world, I'm not saying their lives are all sad. But they don't have the best thing. They don't have Jesus if they don't know him. Um, and that 
is the most compassionate thing. So um, before I end, those were kind of the stories that I wanted to share. I do have a, a couple challenges, um, mostly just for the people here who, who know Jesus and are walking with him. If you're a Christian here today, and when I talk about, you know, the land that God has given to us as Christians being pleasant and wonderful, if that doesn't resonate with you, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not a Christian. But this is the challenge I'll leave with you guys today is take some time this week, however long it takes, and spend some time with God and tell him, like, God, I want to believe with all my heart that the most pleasant, wonderful, awesome thing is enjoying a relationship with you. Because I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys, you know, go out there and tell so-and-so with all these problems or whatever. Go tell them that Jesus is the best thing if you guys don't believe it. And what I think you'll find, if you spend some time with God and ask him, really beg him to show you how great he is, he will. Um, and I think that that overflow makes actually evangelism not necessarily easy. I think there's always some challenge to evangelism because we have an enemy working against us. But it, it becomes less of a burden because it's the truth in our hearts, right? Um, and the last thing is, is when, when, God t when David's talking about this pleasant land and really when the Bible is talking about the awesomeness of living with Christ, it's talking about the fact that we get to strive for God's design. We get to strive for the goodness that God has outlined in his word. But if we're, we fail sh fall short, which we all fall short, we get to hit the pillow like we're perfect because Jesus died for us. I get to go to bed every night, smile up at God, knowing full well that my actions were not perfect, my thoughts were not perfect that day but that God is smiling on me with the righteousness of Jesus because Jesus died and paid for all those things. And that's the pleasant land. But what we can do as Christians sometimes is we ruin that pleasantness because we try to, try to get other people, other Christians, to look more like us. And this, isn't, this is just a human thing. I think if you look back on the past year, we'll see instance after instance from history that people treat poorly people who are different than them or think different than them or look different than them. And the thing is, we're not perfect as Christians, so that fall, like that comes into the church. But we need to fight against that. We need to be able to be a people that allow our fellow Christians to enjoy the pleasantness of God's family because we're not trying to get these new Christians to look just like us. And we can celebrate the fact that Everyone in this area has different hobbies. And we can make peop help people find their gifts in Christ and how God can use them. Even though, though the way God's going to use one person is going to look different than me. And I think, think if we can do that, we can press into this idea that God's land is pleasant and celebrate with, with each other how good God has been to us, then then. I guess, evangel again, like I said, evangelism, evangelism doesn't become easy, but it get, becomes something that we do, and we get to do it joyfully, and people get to see the heart of Christ through us, and it doesn't need to be a ton of effort. It's just us learning to enjoy Jesus the way he is. So that's really all I have to say, and I'm going to invite Craig back up, and um, 
And I want you to remember, next week we're not going to be here at Chatham Christian School. We're going to be at Kingston Park. And we want you to get to know each other. We want you to bring your family. You can bring friends. And we're just going to get together and actually celebrate all that God has given to us as a family in Christ. Thanks, Trina, so much for sharing that, for being vulnerable with us. And thank the Lord for what he's done in your life. Um, you guys, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. We thank you, Lord, for the work that you have done. And um, we thank you for your grace and your mercy for us. And uh, Lord, help us to remember that the, the motivation for evangelism is love and that um, that you do not wish for any to perish, but for all to pass into eternal life. And um, Lord, as it says in your word in 1 Peter 3.15, um, that we're always to have an answer for those who ask for the hope that is in us and to do so with gentleness and respect. Lord, help us to be people that are, that are spirit-led and that live lives upright and righteous, that, that people see the hope that we have in our hearts because of you, and that hope is, is your gospel message. Help us to answer those people with gentleness and respect. And we just pray for a blessed week for everybody. And, um, we pray all this in the name of your son. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for coming. Have a great week.